welcome to Two Fat Fems, the fattest and hardest podcast on the internet. Um, I'm Sav. I'm Des. Um, and today we are talking about polyamory and versus monogamy. Um, we have two special guests again. <laughs> we said last episode that it, I said it would be Mary Kate's first and last time on the crossover episode. She's a little bonus. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. I she like her a lot. It would be my last. We had to power through that last one. <laughs> yeah. And um, drinks my claw. Yeah. We just all go on a tear. It's been fun. Like yeah. so. I'm glad she's back. Um, again, she's on Tweed Girls with Taya. Um, so check that shit out. And then we have a very very special guest, Miss Casey. Chamak Chakma. Hell Casey yeah. McGirt. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. Hello, how are you in Chakta? <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Uh, we're uh, with us talking about polyamory monogamy or just like relationships uh, and their openness or lack thereof. In general, we obviously want to get a lot of different perspectives. Um, we're not demonizing any, any of them. There's uh, just a bunch of different experiences. And uh, I was really excited to invite Casey on uh, to give us an indigenous uh, perspective because I feel like you can't talk about monogamy without talking about <laughs> colonization or the eradicate or uh, eradication of erasure of different cultures so i felt like you were vital and at first i just was like Thank hey you. can you like maybe send me something to like you know add to this and then some things got mixed up with sabbing on last week and i was like you know what come in person please and she was give your expertise please yes. <laughs> yeah and it's all it's all it's exciting to have like a, just another poc perspective and like yes. like we don't share the same cultures but we share similar oppressions yes. and it's it just feels good it just feels good to have you thank yes. you thank you it does me and Tassa from the very get-go that we definitely if we have a platform we need to use it wisely and that means giving voices to everybody so um i feel like actually like whenever like the first episode i reached out to you i was like one day i would love to have you on <laughs> oh, thank um, you. That's so sweet. <laughs> yeah so uh yeah here we go um, like I said, today we're going to be talking about um, uh, relationship norms and whatnot. Are we evolving towards more open relationships being the more commonplace? Are some traditional values worth protecting? That being said, what's traditional to some is not traditional to others. Um, we want to talk about our experiences with both open and closed relationships and all the stuff that we've all learned. Because I'm sure, well, we, yeah, I mean, I'm like positive that we've all talked about already that we've all experienced kind of all into the spectrum ourselves. So. Yeah, I have been basically poly my entire life. I didn't know that I was because when I first started dating, I was very much in a monogamous monogamish relationship. <laughs> it wasn't until that. later that I was like, I love you, but I love other people in my life just as intensely, if not more. The only difference is that I'm having sex with you. Um, right. And that doesn't, to me, that doesn't equal <laughs> yeah. monogamy. But I didn't realize until I started talking to, you know, like my friends, my family, um, other people that were indigenous, that that's kind of a wider feeling that a mm -hmm. lot of indigenous folks experience. Mm -hmm. Technical difficulties. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> there's about to be hella technical difficulties because there's just loose white claw cans. <laughs> moving mic I'm so sorry. No, you're here. good. The mine are up out of the way at least. No, you're good. I'm out and trashy but yeah like I think that um I mean obviously like there's a lot of things that colonization beats out of your 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 culture and like what you deem is like right and wrong and like how you should feel so it's yeah. cool that like you were able to like have other people 
not just like experience the same feelings, but just like be from the same background as you. Yeah. Like literally walk you through this and be like, all right, yeah. Community. All right and babe. it's like, like yeah, this one is... big thing is like experiencing the big love, Chuhili Huli, um, which is why like the Choctaw say it. It's like the big love or the one love or like the multiple love, I think is the more accurate. And the multiple part is a key essence of that. And it's like the love that I feel for my partners is, I mean, like you can try to differentiate it, but it's like, my heart just feels it the same way for, you know, like you guys know who my best friend is, is Donnie. Like, right. I can't say that I'm monogamous when I like treat him almost like I do. <laughs> like your boo. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, and I think that's a big difference too. It's like, you know, you get into these really complicated relationships. It's like, it's not as complicated as you're making it out to be. It's because you choose to make these differentiations yes. that all of a sudden it starts getting more complicated. Right. Right. So, yeah, I think I've heard a lot of people say this before. Um, uh, they're like, I can never do that. I have all these issues, but those issues are definitely in your head. Cause for one, if you can have those issues in a, a monogamous relationship, it's, you're, you're going to have them in the other one. <laughs> it's not the being poly that like is where your issues are deriving. If you're jealous, you're jealous, bitch. It has nothing no to do with. No matter what. Yeah. So you're going to have those issues regardless, but I think it's this idea that you have to, um, perform or, you know, fitness sort of like a box as to what a relationship is, which comes into like, you know, definitely create a hierarchy is yeah. the most important thing. It's like, you're creating a hierarchy. This person is more important in my life versus my best friend. And it's like, again, using Donnie as my experience, like I fucking gave Donnie my car this weekend. Like I watched his kid. Like that's the same right. thing I would do for my partner, like my yeah. sexual partner. And again, the difference is, am I having sex with them or not? Yeah. And right. it's like, <laughs> for yeah. the indigenous experience, like that's not, Everybody's fucking. Yeah. Like, I have, like, my, like, I have my boyfriend, but I consider my best friend or my older sister to be, like, my true soulmates. Like, yeah. I, obviously, my relationship was different with them. Kind of. Well, with my sister, definitely. <laughs> I hope you're not having sex. No. You know, that would be peak white shit to be having sex No, I don't have sex with my sister. My best friend is not safe. However. <laughs> but, um, or, but, yeah, it's just uh, the nature of those things. It's just, I love them not to, I don't love my boyfriend more than I love them. I love him differently, but yeah, how am I, who am I? Sometimes it definitely gets difficult to be like, you know, to really like, why do I need to find a balance without, why can't I just love them? Uh, Again, the multiple, the big love. It's like, I love these people. Like I'm creating a hierarchy. I'm creating a differentiation, which again, that is just a, uh, another token of settler monogamy and mm-hmm. um, compulsory monogamy. Like the fact that you have to separate them when you, shouldn't have to and again it's a single family unit like i have to love my <coughs> husband my partner more than my friends because if i love my friends just the same then we can all come together and it's like a community that- a community and that's again settler colonialism is to yes. separate and yeah yeah destroy it sounds those like you're describing like uh abusive relationships right. <laughs> when, you're, when your partner is like don't you love me more than your friend? Yeah. yeah and it's like, like right. you, I don't like them. Damn, so you dude, should cut no. them off. <laughs> or it's like you said, like the compulsory monogamy is the idea that like our country, America specifically is so set up that you're rewarded for being monogamous. It comes with like, you know, your taxation, your homing, your like the way you're a parent, your insurance, you're rewarded for being monogamous. Um, so why wouldn't people automatically choose that whenever it's like, Oh, well my, my day to day life, my country, my like everything is set up for this to be the path. It almost like, forces you like pushes you into this like line whenever like your heart our human nature goes differently um I, people ask this question a lot you know uh do you think you know humans are naturally monogamous or like you know like a one love kind of a thing 
Hey. It's a <laughs> plug to your trip, Sam. Um, and I think, I honestly think it's a, I think the answer is like both. I think that humans are, have these emotions. No other animals really like feel like jealous feelings and like that or possessiveness quite like we do or they do, but you know what I'm saying? I think humans are capable of both. I think we have choice uh, that other animals don't have. So I think uh, it's natural for us to also want to like, you know, be with everybody. But I, I definitely feel like an innate need to also love one person in the way I love that person uh, and have throughout like my polyamorous and monogamous relationships, uh, I often still feel that pull. And there's always a question all the time. It's like, what can I not shake is just being like taught and learned behavior and what's natural. But yeah. I just think humans have way more choice than everybody else, other creatures. So it feels like it can go one way or the other. And neither is naturally wrong nor right. Yeah. IMO. I agree. Have either of you ever run into a guy or any person you're trying to be with sexually? Have you ever tried to be monogamous with someone? First of all, <laughs> sure have. <laughs> Has anyone you're trying to be monogamous with wanted to be poly? I was always the opposite. Oh, I was, I the was one always the one that wanted to be poly. I was always the outlier. It's like, mm, you yeah. just want to cheat like with, uh, and it's yeah. like, no, it's more complicated than that. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I haven't wanted to like tie down somebody who wanted to be poly, but I have heard from people that like basically got out of a monogamous relationship and they were like, there's they've been there a point that's been made to me is there's no finite amount of love within me yes and i'm like shut the fuck up (laughs) because that may be true but you have a finite amount of time and attention yes and so it's like you can't be like i can be with be with infinite people because like however you divide up your time like if you have 13 partners you're gonna spend like two hours with Polly's all about scheduling <laughs> exactly and that's why I've never like truly been in like a long-term poly relationship because I'm like it's so stressful to me so, like, because, yeah. but because we're trying to fit in like a natural human feeling and practice into a capitalistic the nuclear family was set up to to help produce capitalism to help to keep it afloat right and again that goes against indigenous communities because indigenous communities that wouldn't be a problem if you're all working together if you're all living together if you're all raising children together like you would yeah you would (laughs) you would never be away from your partner partners so well this yeah and this leads me into like like a really good article that i found for this episode and like a conversation that I've been having a lot with like my boyfriend and my best friend, my roommate, my like soulmate, like we live our life as a family and we plan our futures as a family. Like we, I'm not in a relationship with Issa, but Issa is my soulmate. I am in a relationship with Dom and he's my soulmate. And like the only thing that differentiates that is sex. But like the way I look at it is like Issa is just as much my partner as dom is which is its own form of polyamory and like yeah like this obsession with like the nuclear family the nuclear household and like rather than like community living and like polyamorous like partnerships and like poly family units is to sell more property to sell more land i would like to point out that the nuclear family is no longer working because capitalism and the way that life has gotten so expensive yeah like i lived with donnie and my sibling because we couldn't afford it Mm -hmm. you know like i'm living with my platonic life partner donnie and it's so like 
is the nuclear family actually working anymore in capitalism? It's it's not. And that's, yeah, that's why I have Issa and Dom. Like, separate from, like, you know, I don't have, like, a sense of family, blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah, like, we couldn't do this. We couldn't put food in our fucking bellies if the three of us weren't together. Exactly. And, like, and now we're seeing, like, bills being introduced in certain states that are outlawing Rent, roommates. Uh, Rent, yeah. Yeah, and it's, yes, and that it's, is it's, it's out much. of classism, it's out of misogyny, it's out of homophobia. and It's like, out of trying to push people to buy homes, but they can't afford it. <laughs> right, and yeah. like, yeah. Well, but, but, okay, if you really want to get down the conspiracy hole, it's because they know we can't afford it. They yeah. want a revolt so they can declare martial law and, like, control us forever, but that's just me. But, <laughs> like, it is, yeah. I don't but, laugh. That's actually, but I, there's that's a, terrifying. Yeah. Like, that's not actually that crazy to me. But no, because of inflation and the housing market right now, um, yeah. you know, there's, like, everyone's losing hope, and, and it's, like, if you want to really just snap the twig, yeah, they get to where everyone's homeless and they can't. Have right, and so yeah. we have to like live together. Also, millennials aren't. Ha- it has to do with like, and it's the same thing that like Roe v. Wade is happening is because like the birth rate of white women is declining, and like millennials aren't having kids, Gen Zers aren't having Just kids. We're living together, bees. and we're trying to like live as a community so we can survive because that's how we have to do it because of the system they created. But whatever. But anyway. So this article, it's like, it's just, you know, it's an opinion piece, but I thought it was like really validating. It's called, it's on the Black Youth Project. Um, it's called Black Non-Monogamy is a Pre-Colonial um, Practice. Um, and it had like a couple of quotes that I wanted to highlight that we were kind of talking about. So like one that really stood out to me was like, cultural understandings of romance and relationships and end up centering men, nuclear families, cis heteronormative cis-heteronormativity and codependency. The preoccupation with monogamous cis-heterosexuality is so central to the system's function that in order for me to receive or share health benefits with those I love, we have to, to, we, we have to either be married, legal, or common law, be relatives, or lie. Consumerism and toxic monogamy work together to further the idea that single persons are damaged, defective, unworthy, and or unattractive, and that anything existing outside of those margins is illegitimate. Um, and, and like a lot of like polyamory, not only is it um, heavily practiced in like indigenous communities and black communities, it's also heavily pl- practiced in like queer communities. And so it's like, mm-hmm. it's not only like polyamory and the idea of like community living is not just against the norm because it doesn't pay them them being the man but it's also because it's like it is just so other we're about to get a visitor i think no i think you're just in that room oh oh he left that guy from last week he fidgets oh (laughs) that's gary yeah, Gary. Anyway, it's like, yeah, it's like, it's, it's, it's the other, it, but like, yeah, I don't know. And then she, like, the, the, or the writer goes on to say, like, I'm clear that black queers have, have always actualized futures that include our pleasure, play, emotional support, intimacy, asexuality, and differing, um, sometimes converging identities. And yet patriarchy, massage, noir, and white supremacy bleed over into those lives, regardless of which relationship style we choose into. Like, I don't know. It's just like, it's, I never had this feeling that I was poly because I could ever put a name or like a, 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 like a label with it. But like, I feel like I've subscribed to like non-monogamy 
not just because it's a human interaction, but because there is such a comfort in being, or it's like, it's a natural human thing, but there's such a comfort in those circles and being able to get everything you need to fulfill you from different people. So like, if we think about it in those terms, I guess I would consider like my current relationship non-monogamous, even though I'm not giving my body to anybody else except for Dom. I absolutely that again give- is settler monogamy or, you know, compulsory monogamy is the idea that the only difference between you and being polyamorous is the people that you're having sex with. Mm-hmm. Right. Like in indigenous And I didn't think about that yeah. until this conversation. In like, indigenous yeah. communities, like, it's not that sex was blasé because it's a very personal thing. You're like- you know, basically entering in this relation, this mm-hmm. physical relationship with somebody else. Right. But, like, sex is almost that blasé because, like, you can do it and, like, never know the person that you're with. And I think that, like, the kind of, like, bachelor community has really focused on that, especially with misogyny that these men can go out and have sex and, like, leave, right? Right. not the same for women. But in, like, indigenous communities, it's, like, Sometimes, like, that was the most healing thing to do was just to have this, like, control over your body to express that control and to remove it. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I'm in a long-term committed relationship Mm -hmm. with you. It just, it eliminates that that resentment. Because, like, okay, like, I am not, I am only seeking to sleep with Dom. But I am not closed off for the next, I would like to be with him forever. So I cannot imagine for the next 25 years I'm not going to fuck somebody else. Like, that's ridiculous. And again, I settler monogamy, it's like... Um, indigenous folk believe like you will have like particularly with me like you have three different names in your life mm-hmm. you have one that you're given so the one that your parents or your community gives mm-hmm. you you have one that you call yourself and then you mm-hmm. have another one that's based on your job what you do mm-hmm. within the community or one that like you earn later on in life it's right. these different transitions in life so if that happens like if you grow like if the person that you're sta- you're staying with your entire life is going to either grow with you or away from you so that again that doesn't lead to exactly monogamy exactly it, it and so like i i would even though like well yeah like the settler mentality that we have like how we view monogamy i guess people would view my relationship as monogamous but yeah like i'm of that full understanding that like not of that like ideal, but like just like I am gonna grow and I am gonna change, and I cannot determine right now if Dom mm-hmm. is gonna grow and change with me to fit my needs. Same thing with like me and him, and so like just like that, even just having that option of communication with him, like if I meet somebody, if I connect with them, or if I just meet them and I'm like. I have to fuck this person. I need to get it out. Like, you're so fucking high. Right, right. Like, just knowing that I have the ability to have that conversation with Dom and it would be open and it would be equal and it would be, like, so truthful is... It, it just feels really... I don't know. It feels really relieving. That's something similar, though, to me and Eric. I would... Can, I, I wouldn't particularly consider us monogamous, but we are for the, like for the most part. But only in the idea that we both had the conversation, because I'm very open to like the idea of if one day you decide you need something else, or you see someone you have a crush, or someone else you connect with, is a conversation. I'm not saying just go out and do it without telling me, mm-hmm. but it is a conversation to be had. I'm not against it, and I think he feels the same about me, um, especially since I'm queer. He's not, and I like crave like. Uh, uh, like I crave women you know what I mean so oh, I'm just, yeah, so the I conversation I don't feel it's ever off the table and we talk about it however um yeah. I do kind of I feel a little differently about like the sex part I do think that um I definitely think there's two different types of sex there's a sex that I definitely can can be healing it could be great it can also be used as self-harm the type of sex 
I have whenever I just fuck random people. That's fine. My brain is different when I'm fucking them. It's like, okay. But whenever I, it, like, it means nothing. Like, sex is so blase. It's like, oh, this is easy. And it truly is. And I could do it forever. But <laughs> the sex I have when I care about somebody is a totally different caliber. It taps in a different part of my brain, my body. Everything feels different. And that sex is so meaningful. It has so much weight to it to me. Making love, mm-hmm. if you will. Yeah. Um, and for me, when it comes to, I have all these, like, you know, you were talking about like, your hierarchy of, like, relationships. Um, there's definitely... The way I feel about my friends, I love them. And, but it's undeniable, whatever is natural, that intangible, invisible entity that makes me being in love a different thing. I am in love with Eric. I'm not in love with Layer Me. And that thing, that is too, is like the idea of like the, again, that one love, like the whole Disney thing, like you're going to find your soulmate, all of that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that can also exist in indigenous communities. What people don't understand is that, like, while we were polyamory, we could have these deeply spiritual connections with somebody, mm-hmm. and that was perfectly fine, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, again, we're community-based, so that doesn't mean that their relationship was necessarily higher on the rung yeah. than, like, yeah. somebody else. Yeah, and like I said, and I, like, even though I'm in love with Eric, I don't see him as more important than the other people I care. It's just a different type of love, mm-hmm. and I don't think there's, like, one love for everybody's life. I've been in love three times before Eric genuinely loved him. And I used to think that meant like every time I'd fall in love that it would, um, lessen the love before this one. I was like, Oh, they don't mean as much, but it's not true. I can have these deep seated in, uh, even repeat emotions and things I've said. And it, they don't mean less because I'm saying it to someone new. It's just a whole new experience and a whole new love. Um, I do feel sometimes this is why I go back and forth with my, like, I don't prefer the term polyamorous, I like non-monogamy mm-hmm. uh, or non-monogamous, whatever. So my, during like journey of, you know, I spent like most, like most people grew up Catholic and, um, and just like in America. So I was like, okay, yeah, monogamous, obviously. It's like, yeah, naturally that's what I fell into, but I always definitely felt like different like, connections and curiosities and all these things. And then I got into, got to like experiment with it. And I definitely don't think for me personally, where I landed now at 30 years old, although I'm definitely willing to to accept the fact that it can change is that for me, I prefer no label of monogamous or non-monogamous because I'm always open to new things, but I like a one partner personally. I think the fact that you're the only person I'm having sex with this one activity is the only thing only you and I do together is what makes it extra special for me. Um, and, uh, that I would probably, I don't, I'm, I'm not a jealous person by nature. I have like almost no jealous feelings. In fact, I like, I like hearing about my boy being with other people. <laughs> and I would love to like, I'm like, always like, I would love to see you. Um, <laughs> so I feel like for me, it's like, I would like to keep the non-label and the possibility of things, even bring people into our shared bed um, or uh, just like communicate about us being with other people. That's what I'm saying because I'm not, I'm not monogamous. I guess everything I'm saying as I'm saying it out loud. <laughs> but I prefer, for the most part, like right now specifically at this point in my life, I like my person being my person and me being theirs. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of goes back to, again, like that note that I sent you. Like I would never call myself polyamorous or monogamous because those are settler terms. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've actually, I mean, I've been a bad polyamorous person. Like my last marriage can attest to that <laughs> like i have been a bad polyamorous and the reason i was that, bad what does that mean oh sorry you were about to say the reason i was bad and i was uh, like wait but tell me the reason you're bad <laughs> I, I don't want to bless him or anything like that but i was bad i was bad at communication i was bad at all of these things but the reason i was bad at those things is because i was practicing white settler polyamory I you were was, trying to adhere to some yes, standard that i that... was just not just not working for me i was very jealous i was very like controlling and it's like 
once I was out of that relationship, once I'm where I am now, it's like, I don't care. Like, I truly don't care. And it's because I've learned to let go of that control, learned to let go of ownership. And my partner, and I say this not to excuse cheating, because if you practice polyamory, if you practice monogamy, that does exist. But I don't practice that. So my partner could never cheat on me because I would, their experiences are their own. If they choose to have that experience, it's none of my business because if it becomes my business that means i own them i own their experience and now that i don't do that can happen right right give me what you have (laughs) (laughs) i mean i love that no i love that that's so beautiful and i feel like i'm not i'm not a controlling i'm not just person i feel like i'm so close to that yeah but the idea of something happening without my knowledge or let me rephrase not without my knowledge if we have a agreed upon thing and then that agreement gets broken, that's where I would yeah, feel and that's, hurt. And so if see, you never agree upon that, then that's I guess again, being bad at polyamory. No, <laughs> I would see. I would never make again part of my note that I sent you. Would I would never make that an established umbrella, right? Like I would never make that established boundary because that doesn't vibe with my like way of indigenous life, right? Like so, I would never capitalize on that. I would never make these boundaries. It's like. I'm with you when I'm with you. I love you when I love you. And what you do outside of that is your experience, your ownership. Like, you own yourself. I love that. So, and I've moved beyond that. And so, because of that, like, I will say that I do have a sugar daddy. And my sugar daddy is married. Mm-hmm. And what he does with his wife and his kids, guess what? Not your business. Not my business, mm-hmm. right? And it's But when we're together, we're together. We share that experience. Whether it's sex, whether it's... Uh, simply cutting on the couch in front of the TV, right? Those are our individual experiences, but those are not individual experiences. Mm-hmm. They're individual to me, mm-hmm. right? Right. So I own those experiences, sure, in that time because I'm there with him. But outside of that, not my fucking business. I'm not there yet. <laughs> she elevated. <laughs> if you don't, awesome. if you don't mind me taking you back, I think you said that like you had a relationship and then you were like you talked to like your friends and family who were like, here's how it works or like, yes. here's what goes on. So who talked to you about that? I, and, like, what okay. kind of advice did they give um, you? Um, So I actually have a spirit mother. Her name is Teresa Medina Castillo. Yes. I'm going to plug you. Um, <laughs> and she's my spirit mother. And she, wait, can anyone sign up to be her spirit child? <laughs> the way you plugged her is like for twenty nine ninety nine a month. Educate. She's trying to get paid as an educator. And it's really hard when you're indigenous because everybody assumes that your time is free. Yeah. Um, um, so I'm going to say that. But um, she kind of told me all of these like really interesting stories of indigenous love. And I could go into gender and all that, but I won't. Um, and just like how like set when the settlers came over, that was like that 40 acres and that nuclear family and all of that stuff, like really destroyed indigenous communities. And she was like, the way that you're feeling is a genetic memory. And that's I have some proof on that if you want an article. Um, but she was like, you're not alone. Like a lot of indigenous people feel this way. And it's because of boarding schools are a way to love has been removed from us. Mm. And she was like, you're trying to reclaim that love that you know that you have. And she was like, you're just doing it in a subtler way. And it doesn't feel right with you because it's white. Yeah. Point blank, it's white. It's not indigenous. It's not, mm. you know, even the way that my my parents practice, my my father was the, you know, Choctaw Seminole Creek person that I know. And he was obviously sent it, gave it down to me. But the way that he practiced relationships is really shitty. But I now that I look at it, I'm like, he was trying to reclaim something that he knew before he went to the boarding school. Mm-hmm. So, and now that I know that, and it's like, I'm. it's not just her. It's like 
there's so many other indigenous educators that I've gotten in contact with. Um, all my relations, there's this person named Kim Tallbear who is an indigenous geneticist and she does polyamory work. I've talked to her. I've talked to... I read her stuff. It's yes. very beautifully done. It's, yes. it's very interesting. It's very it's critical polyamory is what she calls in because she is critical of like how does like indigenous folks practice polyamory. Um, and I've learned from her. I've learned from other indigenous folks in the community. And I've learned, honestly, I've learned from my white friends. <laughs> like, how do you practice polyamory? How you don't? And it's like, I've taken all of these tidbits and it's like, I'm coming back. So it's because I, I honestly think that polyamory is you know something that indigenous folks led with and now it's being picked up again by the white majority mm-hmm. so i have to learn it from them as well yeah so. i think that my experiences with polyamory or just like basically i had a traumatic breakup i was engaged to get married when i was like way too young mm-hmm. and then i was like fuck that i'm moving to china and like <laughs> lived in china for my 20s where i was just like an untouchable giant behemoth in their eyes because I'm like 5'8 and like weigh 160 and that's like morbidly obese in China standards. Um, I came back from China and I tried to stay out of committed relationships and thus found myself often in the unicorn situation. Yes, I went through that phase. Yes. Out of a long relationship. (laughs) It was like fun. It was like I'm very much team anything once, twice if I like it. Mm-hmm. And so, but after I did that, every time I fucked a couple, I would like, get, I'd get out of bed and like put on my coat and like go out into like the cold world. And like, <laughs> and just, like I knew they were in bed together cuddling in their like comfy bed and like having this moment being like, how do you feel? How was it? Blah, blah, blah. And like they were, their intimacy was like heightened by the experience and I just like ultimately came out of it feeling like I don't I'm not close to those people and like this doesn't feel good to me and I don't know like I don't know why that was bad because I went into it being like cool this is a way for me to like have fun have a new experience connect with people without kind of the obligations that I think we're all talking about when you like have a relationship with people and so I was like, yeah, this is like safe. No one's, no one's feelings are going to be hurt. I'm not going to fuck some guy and then tell him like, hey man, like you're great, but like, I just don't feel a spark. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> technically, like on paper it's ideal, but every time I did it, I came out of it being like low, feeling lonely. Again, you were the, you, there's this like idea in psychology of the in group versus out group. Mm-hmm. So like in that point you like they were part of the in-group you're part of the out-group right that's just hierarchy but in a sexual sense right like they got that intimacy which really if we're talking about bdsm anything like that like you should be having aftercare right i was thinking that 100 should have been part of that so that you you could get the emotional release that you need and it's like again that's bad polyamory and i will say this is controversial but i don't think that modern polyamory and even monogamy works in the soul in the current settler state yeah it just doesn't like like unicorn hunting is a thing i've been i've been on the receiving like on the receiving end and i've also perpetuated that right so it's like that's just like if we were in these giant communities where everybody was like loving each other and everything was great and blah 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 blah, like that would never happen right 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 right. but the way that we're currently set up like the hierarchy has to happen right it does and so like i don't believe that true truly being a throuple can even really exist because there always has to be a hierarchy agreed Mm -hmm. well it's it seems like like your journey with polyamory started with removing the power from sex like removing the imbalances from sex like i think that's like that's what it boils down to is like it's like a pretty obvious statement to say that like 
sex is used for power and control, but it is. And like, like that's how colonizers use it. That's how settlers used it. It was to control and like hurt the the people indigenous women specifically yeah well (laughs) and and, and like in slavery too Mm -hmm. though i mean like you know they raped the men the women the children everybody Mm -hmm. and it's like it's like sex is used for power in a lot of ways so if we try to establish some kind of like power away from that right if we try to establish some kind of like right and wrong yes or no way to do like polyamory or do whatever under this already like established evil like imbalanced system then even if we think we're doing it the right way even if we think we're doing it the safe way by like having consensual threesomes and we're like they're cool so i'm cool it is it's it it wasn't conditioning there's too much conditioning it wasn't doomed to work from the beginning because sex is inherently imbalanced um and patriarchal and what uh, I've said this, I've quoted this on the show before, and I know it sounds crazy, but like Alana Wexler said something in Broad <laughs> City that was fucking like all porn or all media is porn and all porn is kitty porn, and that sounds fucking ridiculous, but like it, but it has to do with sex too. Like, it like like okay, like there's like theories that like black women can't consent to sex. There's theories that indigenous women can't consent to sex because of how we view sex, how we treat sex, and, like, how patriarchal it is and how it's, like, based in, like, rape culture. I'm not saying that's, like... Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like you're taking power away from black and indigenous women. Well, I'm not taking anything away from anybody. (laughs) These are just theories. Yeah. Um, But, like, I'm not saying... I'm a black woman. Like, I I have had plenty of sex that was consensual. But it's, like... But it's just, it's it's the theory, it's like a really exaggerated way of saying, like, how we know sex is based in power, and how we know sex is based in, like, how, like, white men took power from us, and so, like, how we know how to have sex, how we know how to is be inherently a, so far non-sensual. Is, is yeah. inherently non-sensual, it's inherently patriarchal, so it makes sense that how we even view liberating new movements such as polyamory are still patriarchal and they are still non-consensual and like it emotionally non-consensual is there any part of it that's not um sorry i messed you up um is there any part of it that's considered like um not learned from your environment but more so inherent um just because while um like i think i i understand how sex is sold to us Mm -hmm. all the time um just from a really early age Mm -hmm. and from a really young age i've had an awareness about sex Mm -hmm. and like also like uh, i guess my sexual orientation is queer because Mm -hmm. it doesn't really align with one particular thing i Mm -hmm. i think on a spectrum it exists right um but i know that i understood this is kind of like what's being marketed to me but this is what i like in this instance and there was also like the element of what you mentioned or the theory of how uh black or indigenous women um can't have consensual sex i know that's not what you are saying you believe no but, yeah. yeah to be but, clear i do not believe that that is just a theory yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah 
I remember being as young as the age of like seven, like watching like the Disney Channel, and I'm not really sure where mm-hmm. this even came from, but I remember sympathizing with like the underdog in a show and being like, wow, when I'm older and beautiful, I'm gonna have sex with them. And that's like, (laughs) it's like we view it as like the ultimate gift to give a man. Like we're giving it like it's so, yeah, kind of like that. But also like it would like make me happy to be with them. Right. And like and that felt like a power that I could do. And uh, very similar to how I felt like I was going to beat up the bully in Lizzie McGuire. Right, 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 right. right. I just wonder if like if I already had this idea of like a power with sex um, being a child and if I had like a notion of like I want to have a pairing with one person mm-hmm. do you feel like that's just learned or do you feel like part of that is inherent or yeah, yeah that's a great question that was going to be my next question mm-hmm. is like where's the origin of white sex like I feel like right now we're, I know, I don't expect anyone in this room to have the answer, uh but we're talking a lot about how Mm -hmm. like this kind of mode of like sexuality or relationships in Mm -hmm. general is being imposed on other cultures that don't Mm -hmm. necessarily naturally follow that kind Mm -hmm. of dynamic. So I'm like, where, like you and I were talking outside about like, what is my, my original culture? Because I'm aggressively white. I'm so white. It's my last name. I will name. say white is a race, not a heritage or culture. So, right. but, but yeah. race doesn't actually like, exist. I've done like, I've done like 23 and me. And it's like, you're right. French and German. Like, like you're the whitest white, people. Right. Like you're French, Irish, German, and Swedish. So, so I'm like, where, where did like this monogamous model start christianity um yeah is as it I say, christianity yeah, literally I everything goes back to the crusades uh, when the bro. roman empire mm-hmm. like expanded up into the english isles and everything like that they mm-hmm. were really spreading spreading that and it's not even like early roman it's like roman catholicism because mm-hmm. the early mm-hmm. roman empire was very like everything yeah. goes back to the crusades um but I mean, like, even royalty. the royals after that but that's like, true even but like really orthodox i don't even know if it's orthodox christianity i think that it is um, like you can like really pinpoint it to that and then beyond that, like it was like the colonization, not colonization, but like the, the expansion of the Roman empire mm-hmm. and the, the Christianity that came with it. If mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Before that, like I was saying, like you have like the Druids of the British Isles may have like experienced something completely different than the Romans. Right. Did. Right. Right. So, and it's like, it comes from that. But again, that's like, again, I am not going to speak for the white experience, but I can probably say that it comes from that i feel like you're more knowledgeable on like (laughs) the history of relationships in general so i'm like tell me indigenous woman where did my marriage come from okay i'm gonna say uh uh, education is garbage uh (laughs) okay so i think that this this doesn't really like totally answer the question but like yeah like it, it has to do with Christianity and, like, the reason monogamy and, like, the nuclear household is pushed so much in this country other than, like, all the other things we listed before is uh, headcount. You can keep better track of your slaves, of the indigenous people that you are displacing and forcing into schools um, if you can pair them up. They like people are not people, people are numbers. And so like Christianity and like that, like colonization and like forcing this monogamy is like a way to 
kind of keep people it's together. A, it's a great way to produce more slaves. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I said. You're making worker bees if you're forcing people to be together, mate, have kids. This is the the lane we want you this in. This is how we do it. Then we're making it. more worker bees. It's the same reason they yeah. keep people poor. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 I feel you. Uh, to go back to what you were asking, Taya, about like how do you know what's like not like about not on a racial aspect, but just on a relational aspect um, of how do you like how do you think you know whenever it's just like what we're taught and what's like natural like which i was saying earlier about me thinking uh humans have like i think both are natural neither are right or wrong um i thought about that for a long time too because i like went through such uh like ups and downs of like what am i like how do i identify am i open am i monogamous all these things and i think the right answer at least in my premiere in my experience is as long as you have thought about it critically you have not just mindlessly been what they want you to be and i'm doing ear quotes the man or whatever um, then I think there, it, your answer is right. Um, because I didn't, once I stopped mindlessly being monogamous because this is what was right. And then I thought about it critically and I went back and forth and I had, um, conversations with a bunch of people. I went through uncomfortable experiences and good ones. And I like questioning my compulsory monogamy. Yes. Yeah, so once mm-hmm. I questioned it and I was critical and then I landed it where I'm at now, which is still a vague answer, but it's the, it's a right answer in my opinion, because I thought about it. I didn't just do it compulsory, um, compulsively words um <laughs> but uh i do think my i guess my point is that it is natural because now that i've already done all that thinking i've done all the all the work the footwork and now where i'm at now well now i only act on what's natural to me mm-hmm. i only act like i like right now like i said because i don't have a label that feels natural because i like in this moment at this point in my life i am only in a relationship sexually or otherwise with one person that's the right answer because it's what I naturally want to do. I had to have no urges. The fact that the books are open to have a discussion to change that later, that would also be the right thing at one point because I understand that I'm going to, we're going to, we're human beings. We want different things at different times. So I think, uh, that's yeah. That. Like, I think when you saw that kid and you were like, when I get older, I'm going to have sex with him. That was a natural feeling because you were like, I want to experience this with this person. It would have been unnatural for you at that time to go, I want to have sex with him when I'm older and only him and I'm never yeah. going to ever be with anybody besides that him. That would be a different feeling. Yeah, that would be a learned feeling. That yeah. would be, you would say that because why the fuck would any six-year-old plan the rest of their life <laughs> unless <laughs> they were taught and, and it was instilled in them to have to plan the rest of their life because we're forced to be monogamous. I will say that, like, even in indigenous communities, like, you could still be in what would be considered monogamous. Like, it comes yeah. down to consent, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Like, I know I say I'm queer. I know that I say I'm all of these things. But, like, those labels, again, would not exist. I'm only queer in the terms of, like, white settler colonialism, right? Like, if I was with my indigenous communities, I would no longer be queer because queer means outside of the norm. Yeah. If it's the norm, period, then you it just doesn't be my fucking Casey, yeah. bro. So, again, that goes down <laughs> to, it's like, it could be inherently it. learned that you have to do this thing, but also it's like, look in terms of your community, look in terms of, like, the state that you're in, all of those things, because it just comes down to consent at that point. I think I, what we all forget to do when we think about things like this, and, like, it's what we've, like, discussed over and over again on the podcast, is, like, the lens we have to look at our relationships is through an American secular lens. Like we kind of like, like I think because like, like you're, you're black, like I'm half black, like we can almost separate ourselves from what we think the norm is. And it's like, no, at the end of the day, we have to talk, like we are living and function, functioning halfway in this system. (laughs) Yeah. 
You know what I'm trying to say. Oh, yeah, you get me. In polyamory monogamy, no matter what happens, like you have to stop comparing experiences. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very dangerous and that ultimately is what creates jealousy mm-hmm. and ownership and cheating. It's like, okay, so a little bit of history about me. I was in a very... I was in a six-year relationship. I was married for four of those years. Um, we had another person come in, and that ended very poorly, right? Yeah. And it's because I had the expectation, like, my experience with this other person that we're bringing in is going to be the same experience that I have with mm. my husband. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen. And I think that that's one of the bigger problems with polyamory and with monogamy and all of that kind of stuff is, like, you're constantly comparing experiences, and it's. I think it comes down to capitalism. I think it comes down to white uh, settler monogamy. It's like... Everything has to one-up each other. So, mm-hmm. like, this experience has to be just as intense or more intense in order to be – in order to validate it, right? So, mm. so, if you remove that validation, if you remove, like, comparing those experiences, and that's kind of what I've had to learn to do, too, because I said when I was in that marriage, I practiced very bad polyamory. Now that I'm out of it, I can practice it better. Um, but I've stopped comparing experiences. Like the experience that I have with Donnie, who's my platonic life partner, mm-hmm. is very different than the very different than the experience I have with like my boyfriend slash sugar daddy. <laughs> so that's kind of like what I was saying earlier when I was like, once I stopped feeling sort of weird because I had these like similar or different experiences, or I've been in love more than once, I stopped thinking of them as like. You compare your ex to your current. And then I stopped doing that and I'm just like, okay. And then just then my like love now just feels so pure in and of itself and special, but also not because every, like I say this all the time, uh, we, there are no unique experiences. We're all living the same thing. People, we all have shared experiences. We in ourselves have multiple of the same experiences that doesn't invalidate either one. Like I love Eric, me loving Eric or loving the person I loved before Eric does not invalidate my love for Eric now. It's just two different loves, but yeah, there are tons of similarities because You're I'm the same fucking person. You're also comparing a man and a woman, like those two experiences. Also, I don't think it could, in right. that specific example, could mm-hmm. not be comparable in my mind. Okay, because I think what I think what I'm really trying to ask is, what's to say that? What if I think I'm in a monogamous relationship, but I'm actually not? Like, if let's just because if my love experiences are incomparable, how? Wouldn't that say that we're all polyamorous in in a way? Oh my God! Yes, absolutely. If okay. I could plug it for <laughs> a thousand, if, if I could plug this for a thousand years, it would be like you're you can't. I was talking to this with my best friend Donnie again the other day. I was like, we cannot truly be monogamous because, um, and this is why settler state. It's like you try to separate those things and you can't. You absolutely can't. And because nobody is truly monogamous because. We all share love. And love is not a finite okay. resource. It's constantly expansive. It constantly grows. Right. And because of that, nobody is truly monogamous. But nobody is truly polyamorous either in the settler state because it's the difference of sex, right? Yeah. But I truly don't – I don't pra- – that's why I'm saying I don't practice polyamory monogamy because I practice my indigenous community uh, relations, mm-hmm. which is I love people. You love who I you see. love. Yeah. I, and that, I think that – helped me contextualize what you were saying because the way that I think about this especially um so I got married last year and I had a falling out with one of my bridesmaids and one of the issue um in our friendship earlier was comparison to other relationships that I had with friends and I would try to communicate that it's a there's a tear. You are a- never single because you are constantly in relation at all times. And that is settler, uh, settler monogamy at its finest. You can never be a singular person. If you were a singular person, you would die. 
You are constantly in relation. And that is how monogamy has become so twisted is because the idea that you are a single person. You are never a single person. You could never be a single, a single person. And that's why I practice my tribal community relations because monogamy doesn't actually truly exist. Uh, Period. Whenever, whenever I ask I like the that. question, which I like to do on Instagram between each episode, it's just like, you know, for uh, submissions, I asked um, why people choose monogamy. And one of the big answers, which I respect everybody's answers, it's not like faulting it by his answer, but one of the biggest answers was, it's like having a built-in best friend or it's um, me choosing a person to Bitch, do things with. Bitch, you have with. best friends. Well, that's what <laughs> my first thought was. I was like, oh, well, I didn't think of my any of my partners like that because I think, well, I got, I got four sisters. I got 20 best friends. I have... Um, people I work with have like my, even my babies that I love that are symbiotic relationships with me. Like, you know, being a nanny, I'm like, all these people contribute to like, I share my happiness, my sadness, my worries, my fears. They give that back. It's just, I never thought of like picking a boy, like a partner as like, you're the person I'm gonna do things with, or you're the, you're a built-in best friend. I'm like, well, I have all of those. You're just this whole separate entity that I can't control. And that's what I mean when I say I have an intangible being in love versus in love. Or love versus in love is just the thing. The only thing that separates you is this thing I can't explain. Yeah. This, and again, like, that goes to re- relationality. Um, relationality. It's that like this idea that you were single, you were never single. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying like monogamy only exists in taxes and the government because they try to make you a single person mm-hmm. and that could never happen. Like never truly happen. Like you literally will die. <laughs> Can I just say real quick that uh, I have all these like really deep opinions about tons of things. And I think I have a lot of good knowledge on things. And for the most part, I think I do. I wouldn't talk on it if I didn't. Mm-hmm. But the way you know <laughs> what you're talking about, it's just, it is so It's very fluent. hot. In the, it is. Are you attracted to me right I now? I am. The more I listen to you talk. It's telling me like Mary Kate's just like twirling because she's like, damn. Let me twirl my hair. Like, oh my God. But no, just the way you're just like saying it, it's just, I would listen. I could listen to you for days. Truly. You're just a, you just know your shit and it, it's, it's so affluent and just beautiful and I just love you. That is why I turn to her and say, what's up with white people's relationship? <laughs> I can't speak what's the, the origin of but <laughs> And she even had the best answer to that. She's like, I can't speak to your experience, but here's what I know. Here's history. Have best. you guys ever, have any of you seen the show alone? Mm-mm. I'm a big fan. Season nine. <laughs> Are you mad at me? Uh, no, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Okay, it's a, it's a like game show, quote unquote. They drop off people in like the forest of Vancouver, and oh, like naked and alone. It's sort of like naked, naked and alone, but oh, but they're not. Afraid. Okay, I'm sorry, but they're not naked. Okay, and they they, they can bring be, like five tools with them, and mm. it's basically like whoever taps out and says I can't do this anymore last gets like a comically small amount of money it's like a hundred thousand dollars it's not like five million you'll never have to work again yeah yeah it's like you can pay off part of your mortgage (laughs) but it's very interesting just what you're talking about you're like you're never alone because so many of these people there's eight seasons i recommend everybody watch all of them it's so good but so many of them tap out just because like the psychological effects of just being alone they're like it's it's very hard to like cut your firewood catch food like build a shelter but a lot of them will like build their shelter catch all their food have all their firewood and they'll just be like sitting in their hut <laughs> and just like pick up their phone and be like i'm going home because there just is being literally alone like a 20 up. plus year study done by some magical college i can't remember what it is sorry the white claw um that literally proves that like your health is better like because you have a partner 
Yeah. Like, human beings are such pack animals. Like, we try to act like we're, like we're loners. But, like, it's it's literally ingrained into us that we need to be with people. Mm-hmm. You are, you can't, like, you literally can't go out in the woods and survive if you only have one person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Like, you just You can happen. fulfill your physical needs, but at some point, it's you're so going to, like, lose your mind and be like, no, never mind. Like, <laughs> this fucking blow. That's me. I have a really hard time being alone for, like, more than an hour. I start to feel real pain. You know, I talk about all this polyamory shit, and I'm, like, totally close sitting in my dorm. <laughs> Watching Netflix for like 18 hours. I by can't myself. be like, so Saturday, my boyfriend had to go to like, or I guess Sunday had to go to like uh, a funeral. And then I was hanging out with my best friends at like a time and I saw them in the morning. But then there was like a four hour time where I, everybody I knew, cared, and loved about. I felt like I was so alone because everybody was busy. <laughs> and I literally didn't do that myself. I'm going to, it's so embarrassing. I'm going to tell you what I did. Let me tell you what I did. I drove around in different story. parts of Roanoke and would just park my car and watch TikToks for 20 minutes and then do it somewhere else. Because oh. I didn't know what to do with my hands. And then I was like, I'm so embarrassed. And then my friend finally was like, oh, you can come. And then I was like, don't be alarmed if I'm there embarrassingly fast. I was right around the corner. <laughs> just like waiting for you to tell me to like, come. Again, society is, is created to maintain that loneliness. So yeah. like, I, again, like I have had experience with all of these things I know about being in relation. So I also know how to be alone. Like, Ugh, it's something I need to work on. I like tried to like, all of like the last year, I tried to like, try to like immerse myself and like give myself therapy, like force myself to be alone for like three days. And I would just, like, be a blubbering mess, like, in the fetal position, shower, crying. Uh, I did not go well, so now I'm back to not trying. And I'm just like, why? Do I need some around people all the time? I gotta say, before... So, I recently moved to Lynchburg, um, which Taya knows I regret. <laughs> Mostly just because I wish I lived closer to Taya. But before I moved Very. to Lynchburg, I lived, like, 10 miles outside of, like, the town proper of Bedford. And I lived in a house with my brother, Zach. And he lived upstairs and I lived downstairs and it was a commune. And like, that was like my first kind of experience with that. We're like, we each had our own independent space of each other, but whenever we wanted to be around each other or needed to be around each other, like the other was just in the other part of the house. And I don't know. It was just like, it was really moving. It was really like, I kind of got it. Like, I mean, it's hard to say cause it's my brother But when people, I feel like a lot of people our age are like, let's start a commune and like escape capitalism. And like, we didn't escape capitalism. We both had full-time tech jobs. (laughs) Like we both worked like 45 hours a week. But yeah, the support of like your blood kin, your blood kin (laughs) is like right upstairs. And if you need anything or you're going through a hard time, we could like go to each other. Someone asking about how your day was goes so far. (laughs) Yeah. It's, It's just like, it's wild. Like how different that is from just like the standard like it's a novel living situation mm-hmm. it's yeah. also like but been it's also proven not. psychologically to like be better for like children like child development and stuff like and like just like general like well-being like yeah. community living is just better like rather I, than just like putting them in front of the tv and like yeah here, the key is hidden here when you get home from school right. good luck until yeah. 7 p.m right like my parents were not great uh, a lot and we're not like uh like my mom especially was like you know because we lived with her primarily and she wasn't around a lot but I have tons of older siblings and they all had friends and like they raised us like they like my my it takes a village. yeah my fucking my siblings and my siblings friends like raised us and like 
yeah, I got issues because of my parents, but I feel like overall, like socially, I'm just like Imagine more... not having that community. Right. right. Like I'm just like more, I'm first of all, I'm more cultured because like my fucking siblings were weirdos who raised me around other weirdos like them. And then like, but like, I just have like a stronger sense of self and like confidence when I walk in a room with a group of people. Yeah. I can carry myself well. I can articulate my emotions because I've had to learn how to articulate my emotions in a community yeah. setting. Right. So like you have to learn how to get yourself across, especially if it's like it, it's it you know is equal. So yeah, I just feel like it's better. Yeah. To kind of circle back and make the snake so eat its own tail, I'm gonna say I feel like a lot of white Americans rely on the church for that, the mm-hmm. Christian yeah. church. That's exactly why churches were created was to create community centers. So right. we have this church that enforces monogamy and is like that's the correct answer. That's how your family should be and then you supplement it with your church family and your church community Mm -hmm. and if you're methodist you hate the baptist across the street and like i just think that's really interesting i was raised in a like fiercely christian home not fiercely baptist or methodist but like always we moved a lot my dad's in the military so like we moved around a lot and then like we'd always find a church that my mom like vibed with so like we changed (laughs) denominations every year but that was like, because that's how she grew up. She grew up in one church and it was her and her sister and her parents. And then like they had their church community and it was Sunday church service. It was Sunday morning Bible study. It was Wednesday night spaghetti dinner. And like, that's their kind of tribe, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so I was raised in that community, but again, because we moved so much, I didn't get that kind of continuity of like, Oh, this is like Tim, the old man I've known since I was four, um, he has valuable input. Um, I feel like I like lost that. I feel like that's a lot of white American culture. Unfortunately, it's a lot of people who maybe were raised in the church and then left the church when they were in their teens or like, were like, I don't get much out of this church. And that's kind of why we're specifically, I think now in like this void, this like community cultural void, because like our parents were like, I'll fill in the blanks with like the Baptist church. And then we were like, I'm old enough to not do the Baptist church. To have like a callback to the previous episode when we were talking about, um, uh, white appropriation of, uh, certain practices maybe that reach for community is just kind of learning kind of like that reach for community in and of itself that yeah. uh since you know people you know move away from being a part and finding their community through the church um and they're trying to relearn or just reincorporate a way of having togetherness especially now when things just feel so separate and individualistic and focused on you know being by yourself and working on yourself and uh something that was um i talk about with my best friend a lot is um how when i was younger and i was going through a hard time and i just felt like my mom just wouldn't get it when i was trying to tell her you know i feel really lonely and sad and depressed would she was tell like, you to pray about it? Well, she would tell me to pray about it, and then she'd be like, well, why don't you go and volunteer somewhere? And I'm like, that's not it. I can't volunteer until I feel better. And she's yeah. like, no, like, being of service makes you feel better. 
Mm-hmm. And like now I get it. Where yeah. like everything I do now is community related. Um, somebody famous and probably white said something along the lines of like volunteering is the price that you pay for being on this earth. And that is actually perpetuated through indigenous ideology. It's that like you are here to help those that either cannot help themselves, need help, or like help is not available to them. So a strong proportion of that is being part of the community and it's getting involved in your community. And literally every aspect of everything that I do is part of that. Like how can I help my community? How can I help people? How can I bring them together? And I think it's like some big study um, by the National Health Organization has shown that like three and five Americans specifically are lonely. And the church has often filled that void. And I, I don't like to say the church is involved in anything, but like people have moved away from the church and it is contributing to that loneliness, mm-hmm. loneliness I think. 100%. And I also wonder, what do we get to consider our community? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, do we have to build our community based upon race, which is like both real and not real? Do we base it upon our occupation or where we live? And I think that a lot of confusion, or maybe not confusion, because I don't know the right way, or maybe you can find community in each of those ways. Um, but I feel like a lot of, uh, I guess, malpractices can come about from from seeking out community in, in ways that, and then you know, really yeah or exactly. a gang a gangs actually a lot of gangs yeah. are come about because these kids don't have community they don't have ple- people to go to they don't have adults some people like, find drugs in subculture yes plugging <laughs> <laughs> to the last episode <laughs> yeah just looking for a place of belonging or community and you feel so lost you feel alienated maybe you grew up in the church or like if you're like me i, I grew up catholic but i wasn't involved in the church really um not to the extent you were nothing like that but i have a very tight bidnick like tight-knit big family we're like very cajun we're just like it's all you it's almost like a cult in itself it's like a family cult when i left for college i had no no idea who i was because it was just i was my sisters and my mom my mom and my sisters were me and that was that um so i was just always i never felt like i belonged or didn't have anything outside of that so i was looking for things and that's when i would try to cling on that's when you go through your phase i'm clinging on to different subcultures because i'm like where do i belong uh, into these like clicks that I'd like never found, and then you become an eclectic adult. <laughs> but I was just like grasping. I was like, oh well, maybe this is it, and maybe that's it. And uh, I can easily see where, especially when you're young and vulnerable, how you can end up in like a gang. Whenever you're just looking or a cult, I 100. I've been been manipulated by men before. I know how. I'm like, oh, I get it. You know how you got me vulnerable. You said all the right things. You're just also smart narcissistic, so you're like honing on like my weaknesses and the fact that I had no community. So you're like, oh well. Let me make this like really um, like appealing to you. You're doing anything that you can to fill that void that community could fill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I've definitely done that when I was in Beijing. I was in a gang. I was in a gang. <laughs> I killed many people. Was <laughs> <laughs> in a legit gang. <laughs> no, I. Uh, my favorite bar was a bar called Eight Bit. And it was like an old retro gaming barcade. So it was like, there's something to do there that wasn't just drinking. So it's not just a place you go and binge drink. And so now that I am living in Lynchburg and I have no friends and no support community in Lynchburg, 
um, I've started like a retro gaming night Aww. called Kill City, and you're all invited. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard you talk about this. Yes, I pod. think you should come. I think um, I think on June 8th we're gonna do Star Wars Episode One Pod Racer. On Hell yeah! Oh it's my god, this is Star Wars nerd, ready to go. Casey just got hotter. Or something. Okay. <laughs> um. Anyway, I'm so yeah. This whole podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I feel you 100 as an adult, especially now that. I'm in this place where like I'm I'm living in Lynchburg I'm trying to like put down roots and stop like wandering the earth I'm like I don't want to join a church just to have friends but that's what's kind of available to me in Lynchburg like it's a very Christian place so I'm like I'm going to kind of be be the event I want to see in the world Mm -hmm. and yeah, it's weird. It's like I don't even want these people to be like shoulders for me to cry on. I just want to like have a circle of people in yeah. town. I want to go somewhere where I'm like these people are like people I know my age who are interested in what I'm interested in and like I want community. I feel yeah, like I, feel I, I mean going back to polyamory. Um I feel like polyamory is really trying to fill that void of community like how many people can i get involved with this especially with queers yeah you know <laughs> polycules like, yeah i follow a lot of it on tiktok because uh there's always ones that are like we all know there's like the very obnoxious side of polyamory especially like very specific types of people uh definitely in the queer community um Um, but uh, there's like some accounts I follow that I'm like oh my god y'all are the worst of the worst you give it a bad name and then there's some that I'm like these are people I think are doing it as right as one can like it's like oh y'all y'all have it figured out with y'all y'all aren't like in like trying to like force your shit on anybody else and I just see them and they feel like doing a healthy way they have like sense of humor about things and I'm like I love I'm like I'm addicted to seeing other people live different lifestyles I'm like oh my god let me that might that might sound weird (laughs) It's inappropriate, but she's like, it's just very interesting to me. It's are like we talking about porn now. I don't know. <laughs> and it's like a, just trying to figure out, like, oh, these are other ways or options that I didn't know I had. And it's just learning. I'm just taking in all this like uh, other information. But there's definitely I've had saved some names. I was going to read off. I'm like, I don't care about plugging Polly from TikToks, but <laughs> there's some good ones out there for sure. I well, have- oh. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna go. <laughs> so, oh, I was just gonna say I do have people I'd like to plug. Um, just like some, like black polyamorous because I think like poly role models. Yeah, that I follow on Instagram. Yeah, so poly role models is also on. Uh, if anybody still uses Tumblr, they are on <laughs> Tumblr. But the only reason I say that is because uh, Ruby B Johnson has like a very active um, polyamorous blog through Poly Role Models. Um, but so she's awesome for any like black, uh, queer polyamorous or just like queer polyamorous who are like looking for people that are not white and men to like, you know, hear advice from and, and, you know, learn about being polyamorous. Um, Ruby, Ruby B. Johnson's good. Uh, she's also called the black sex geek. Uh, she is a contributor for the Huffington Post. She's a social worker, clinical practitioner, educator, and writer, um, her areas of expertise include like obsessive compulsive, obsessive and compulsive sexual behaviors, attachment disorders, non-monogamous partnerships slash families, kink and BDSM. Uh, Michonne Neal is a queer, mostly black, disabled polyamorous fiction writer, which I thought was like really cool. Um, like there's more and more romance and like fiction about polyamory. 
Um, so to see like that there are actual like fiction romance novels being written about like black polyamorists, <clears throat> excuse me, is really cool. Um, and then Robin Wilson Beatty, uh, they run a sex positive, like queer, black and disabled like website that uh, just talks about polyamory and kind of gives like advice. And there's like forums and they're like a speaker too about like just like safe fun ways to practice like polyamory and sex when you're disabled and queer so like those are some good polyamorous that I found a lot of them were plugged in that article the black youth project I don't unfor I, unfortunately I couldn't find any like I couldn't find any like indigenous polyamorous uh, that, well, that again, anybody like listens said, to or um, documents. Kate you know? Talbert has a lot right. of a geneticist, indigenous geneticist, talks about critical polyamory. Um, Geraldine, I think it's Geraldine King and then Deanna Diaz. They also talk about indigenous love practices. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, those are the big ones that I can think of right now. Yeah. So if you guys like, especially like, are looking for like more power balanced ways to approach polyamory that are outside of like the patriarchal ways that like we know and love check yeah. out those people i like read a bunch of like their websites and blogs and shit last night and they're also like funny ass people it's like i mean obviously they're like probably cool because they have a lot of like life experience so <laughs> I, I check them this. out i do want to say this too before i know we have to wrap up probably sooner rather than later but um just like uh I feel like it's an obvious thing we've all thought and heard, but we say this every episode. It's like, you'd be surprised at things that we say that we thought everybody was thinking, but nobody is, especially people who are listening who have like no experience or ever even critically thought about polyamory. They all think the same thing. For one, you just like want to have sex as if it's just like a sexual thing. Like you just want to be able to cheat, but it's not cheating if there's no betrayal, first of all. Um, but also the idea that, um, oh, that they never work out. I've never seen a poly... But how many monogamous relationships have you worked out? The comparison between like the two, like, oh, poly is the right way, monogamy, or monogamy is the wrong way, the poly is the right way, because poly can never work. But have, I think I've only ever seen one monogamous, air quote, relationship work out. And by work out, I mean they've been married for a thousand years. I don't know if they're happy or in love. I don't think they're happy or loving. Um, so what, one, do you constitute being successful? Um, and two, Anything that would, like we said earlier, anything that would break you up in a polyamorous relationship would break you up in a monogamous. To think like one has, uh, I don't know, just, it's just always frustrating. Frustrating. People say like, oh, I've just never seen it work out, but I've, I've just like never seen a monogamous relationship work out. None of mine monogamous relationships have worked out. I've, I've only been with my boyfriend eight months, which means and I've been in love three other times. You do the math. You know what I mean? Like, they're yeah. not working out. I mean, I've been married. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like I said, it depends on what you consider like, successful, mm -hmm. um, but... Anything that you compare to mono uh, being like right in your monogamy or wrong in, monog in your polyamory, it's the ex I mean, it's just a mirror to your monogamous relationships too. So if you have a fear of all these things and one, then it's just a mirror to the other. It's just, it's a moot point. I think uh, I hate when people make it. It, it right. goes nowhere to me. It's not a good argument. Right. Yeah. It, I feel like they should just be making points. Sometimes relationships don't work out. True. Wow. Yeah. Hot take. Or, yeah. or <laughs> wrong with anything ending ever. Yeah. Or if you're in a, say that you're in a polyamorous relationship, and I just saw someone talk about this on TikTok, and I thought it was a great way of saying it, but it's like, you know, hey, I'm in this really happiness polyamorous relationship. Like, we'll see how long that lasts. It's like, hey, I just told you I'm happy in a relationship. Why are you already waiting for it to not work out? Like, yeah, that's such yeah. a shitty thing. If, you if were I told like, you I was I with one. I met a girl, yeah, I met someone, and we're really happy if they were like, 
We'll see how long that lasts. Yeah, it's just so <laughs> shitty. People suck. But yeah, uh, so thank you uh, again, Casey and Mary Kate and Taya for your commentary this has been as well. So fun. This it's been, been so, so fun. It's, it's, it's been so <laughs> fun. It's been re- it's been relieving having somebody here who's also hitting their vape. So and mine died <laughs> halfway through Half the fucking episode. Blind. So if you hear somebody, it's not fucking me. Uh, um, yeah, this has been probably my favorite day of recording. Uh, having like a panel. Yeah, a Uh, panel and a bunch of white claws. Great conversation. Um, I guess do we still think Tweakers y'all are here? Uh, We want to thank the listeners. We want to thank our guests. We want to thank Taya at uh, Think Management. Check out her other podcast, um, When Your Heart Falls Out of Your Head, and Tweet Girls. And join us next week. We're going to be talking about maximalism versus minimalism, the classism, the racism, the turniness, all of it that you already know we're going to talk about. So. Uh, listen in to that one. This shit is a girl.